Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 21st day of August. I'm your host, Paul White. Today, we continue with the audio version of our 2018 book, Righteous Saul versus Righteous Paul. We pick it up about four minutes or so into chapter one. Let's not confuse Saul with anything less than a passionate zealot. Don't think of him as less concerned with holiness or strict adherence to Torah. In many ways, everything Saul did and represented would have been viewed with respect and honor by both the religious and secular world of his day. One could not accuse him of failing to live up to the strictest standards of Jewish holiness, nor could he be accused of being unfaithful to the traditions of his forefathers. He was loyal in his synagogue attendance, consistent in his public readings from the scriptures, and was, no doubt, a paragon of excellence in regards to the keeping of dietary, sanitary, and moral laws. No one could accuse Saul of Tarsus of doing anything less than his very best in the eyes of God, and good Jewish folk would probably have agreed that in regards to the life of Saul, God must be well pleased. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. We first find Saul on his way to persecute members of the way, complete with written authorization to imprison those who follow Jesus of Nazareth. This journey was perhaps a bit tame compared to some of his previous encounters with the disciples of Christ. Remember, it was Saul who stood by in silent approval as the raging mob killed Stephen the Evangelist. Acts chapter 7, verses 57 to 59. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen. Saul attacked with ferocity and fervor, thinking he was doing God a favor. Jesus had told his disciples that this would be the case, only adding to their persuasion that they were right in having chosen to follow him. John chapter 16, verse 2. Acts chapter 9, verses 3, 4, and 5. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Saul had a direct encounter with Jesus, the very one he was persecuting. Consider that last statement in light of the fact that there is no verse that shows Saul persecuting the man Jesus, but that's not the point. Attack the father's kids, and you are attacking the father. The revelation on the road to Damascus did not come at the end of a week of fasting and seeking God. Saul was not being rewarded for his faithfulness and perseverance. His moment was not the culmination of activities that have proven his worth. It was an anomaly. Saul had an encounter he did not deserve, nor that he had earned. Jesus found him in the middle of his terrorism and revealed himself to him. Perhaps it shows that if Saul can be reached in the middle of his issues, anyone can be reached in their own. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. 
As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Acts chapter 13, verses 6 to 12. Now when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now, indeed, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. In the middle of Acts 13, there's a change, and the book shifts from the character of Saul to that of Paul, and never returns to the former again. This is an interesting moment in the biblical narrative. Saul takes on the name of Paul in the same passage in which he prays that another man loses sight, just as Saul had lost his own, on the Damascus Road. The author could be connecting the reader to that event and showing that Paul had learned his lesson. He was no longer like Saul, obsessed with his own righteousness. Now he is Paul the Humble, living out the gospel for Elymas the sorcerer in the same manner the gospel worked for him. Elymas is a witch who is intent on turning people away from the faith, namely the proconsul Sergius Paulus. When the proconsul sees the miracle of Elymas being made blind, it serves to open his own eyes to the truth. Saul could not have missed the irony. Paul's miracle of taking away a man's sight bothered me for a long time. If he had made a blind man to see, I could understand that. Jesus did that sort of thing all the time. In fact, it was one of the things Jesus claimed he was anointed to do in Luke 4.18. But we don't see Jesus giving someone leprosy or making a healthy man into a lame one. His ministry was the opposite of such darkness. In the story of the healing of the man born blind, Jesus claims, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. John 9, 5. But a deeper examination into that very story, the one in which Jesus spit on the ground and made clay with which to anoint the blind man's eyes before sending him to his healing bath at the pool of Siloam, shows an interesting postscript to the miracle. Well, you'll have to wait till tomorrow to see that interesting postscript to the miracle. We'll back up just a touch and bring you into this spot from our book, Righteous Saul versus Righteous Paul. If you'd like a copy of this book, you can purchase one at our website store, paulwhiteministries.com slash store, and you'll find copies of that book as well as our first two books. And remember, our fourth book, Greater Than Jonah, should be ready for pre-sales soon, at least by this fall. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.